0: Cancer is an extraordinarily varied disease, impacting many people in many ways. And so, to help us narrow things down, we often categorise cancer based on areas of the body – lung cancer, breast cancer, skin cancer and so on. And yet, increasingly, medical research is telling us that the molecular or genetic causes of cancer are not necessarily tied to parts of the body, and that can have profound impacts on the kinds of treatment people should receive – And it's because of that that some oncologists are calling for a change in the way we think about and the way we name cancers. And last week in Nature, we had a comment piece calling for just that. It's a big topic. And so for the podcast, Lucy Odling-Smee, the opinion editor who worked on that comment, called up one of its authors, Fabrice André, from the Institut gustave Roussy in Paris, and they talked through his ideas. Here's Lucy.
1: When most people think about cancer they think about breast cancer or lung cancer or blood cancer why do people think about cancer in this way and what are the problems with thinking about cancer according to
2: body part hello lucy i I think first we have to come back on what is a cancer cancer is a biological disease meaning it's a normal cell that has become malignant it's just i think starting from this point is important to remind everyone cancer is a biological disease then we know that the cancer arise in one organ. And this is what we call early stage cancer, localized cancer. And of course, when the cancer is diagnosed at early stage, the best treatment is surgery or radiation therapy. So this is why historically the, the cancer have been named by the organ they are originated from. Now if we move to metastatic cancer, things are different because the cancer is not only in the organ of origin, but also in many other organs that are called metastasis. And here, the importance of the organ of origin is less obvious, and we should refer more about what are the biological mechanisms that are involved in this uh, metastatic cancer.
1: So so what is the alternative then? How should we be thinking about cancer if not according to body part?
2: How should we be naming cancers? What we have seen in the recent uh, decade is the emergence of therapies that target a specific molecular mechanism involved in cancer progression. It can be on the cancer cell, it can be on the immune cell, but the, the, the common feature of the recent therapies is that they target protein, molecule involved or overexpressed in cancer. So it means that it would make sense to better uh, take care of the patient with metastatic cancer, to rethink the way we classify cancer and to classify them based on their biological feature, because that will help the development and the clinical trials of new drugs and it would also help for training and interaction and to communicate with the patients.
1: I wonder, could you give me an example of a situation where naming cancers according to where the cancer originates in the body has led to people not getting the treatment that could have helped them?
2: So we, have, we have several examples. Actually, we have a lot of examples. The first one, uh, more than 10 years ago, were developed drugs that target the modulation of the immune system this drug interact with a protein called PDL1. So the first trials were done, and very quickly the cancers that overexpress PDL1, but also the cancers with deficiency in the capacity to repair DNA, these cancers with specific biological features were more sensitive to the drug. Nevertheless, it was decided to, to, to make the clinical trials sequentially. One after the other, one defined by where the cancer originated from in terms of organ. And because of that, well, uh, some patients with cervical cancer, for example, a gynecological cancer that overexpressed PDL1 got access to this drug, effective drug, more than 10 years after the first trials were done. The other example. Similar example, I'm not going to go into detail, is for the patient who have a, a specific mutation, DRCA1, DRCA2. This patient uh, develop cancer that are very uh, sensitive to a drug family that is PARP inhibitor. PARP inhibitors were developed first in patients with ovarian cancer, second in patients with breast cancer, then in patients with prostate or pancreatic cancer, meaning that We did some estimate that around 300,000 patients did not get access to this effective therapy because, again, clinical trials were done sequentially uh, in cancer defined by the organ of origin. So
1: that's two really compelling stories about how patients don't get the treatments they need when they could have done. Are there other problems caused by us naming cancers according to where they originate in the body?
2: Yeah, uh, from our perspective, there are two other problems. Most important one is a question of drug development and how can we speed up clinical trial to allow access to as many patients as possible. This is at the top, is the most important. Then we have what we call organization of the hospitals. And hospitals now are organized based on the organ of origin, meaning that a patient with metastatic breast cancer will be treated in a totally different unit than a patient with similar disease in terms of biology but that it originated from another organ so this is a little bit strange because we should generate experts in the biology of the disease to take care of of the patient the other problem is in terms of training and education nowadays we have a lot of clinical trials too many randomized trials so the the oncologist cannot digest all these trials there are too many of them in too many different diseases if the disease Again, the metastatic cancer were classified by molecular feature. First, it would dramatically decrease the number of clinical trials, so it would be easier to ju- to digest this knowledge. And second, it will facilitate the training and the understanding of the, the therapies and the trial, uh, especially for the, the side effects. It is the same at the level of the patient. It's very usual that I see a patient and the patient telling me, look, doctor, I don't understand. I have a breast cancer. I received this drug. My friend has a breast cancer as well and she received a totally different treatment. One of the doctor is not doing well. This is very really usual. In fact, it is because the two patients have two totally different breast cancers that require two totally different treatment. If we were um, teaching and discussing with the patient the, the disease based on biological mechanism, of course, this problem will never occur. So I did want to ask a bit more
1: about how this will all work from the patient perspective so as anyone who's dealt with a chronic health problem knows the language you use to describe your condition has a massive effect on how people around you respond how do you think all this might affect patients I mean presumably telling someone you have lung cancer is going to provoke quite a different emotional response from saying I have a tumor and it has a mutation in the EGFR gene so h- how do you imagine that playing out?
2: So first, you see, of course, it's always very difficult for a doctor to speak on behalf of a patient because I've not been patient myself, so it's always difficult to but, but when we discuss with some social scientist and patient, we have been helped a lot by a patient who unfortunately died uh, a few months ago on, on this concept. Uh, she was herself um, a scientist in history of, uh, of medicine. And the hypothesis is that if the patient knows better his or her disease, uh, it will generate less anxiety and it will facilitate the understanding of the treatment choice and therefore uh, the engagement on the pathway of care on the, the treatment. So this is the hypothesis. The last point that is important is that, and again, I have not been a patient, but what some patients are telling us is that it generates less anxiety when the patient knows that there is a lot of knowledge on the disease. And telling a patient, look, We know that your disease is because this mutation, this problem on the immune system, etc., etc., is an evidence that we know about the disease. And if we know about the disease, again, the hypothesis that we can better treat the disease. Now, we need to implement that in clinical trials. There is going to be some clinical trials testing on a comparative way, whether introducing the disease as organ-based or biological-based, which one is the best for the patient. Because all what we are discussing now are, are hypotheses. Now, some social scientists have uh, taken this question seriously and are thinking about a prospective trial where they will compare the two different perceptions of cancer, biology-based or uh, organ-based.
1: So people have been naming cancers according to where the cancer originates in the body for more than a century. So how easy do you think it's going to be to change how people think, change the way people do things that's been around for such a long time?
2: I think it's going to be about showing clinical evidence that this way of classifying patients is better than the old classification. We are in a in, in a community where everybody is trying to do his or her best. So and the fact that classification were done based on our organ of origin was based on a solid rationale. That was the fact that the local treatment need this classification. How is it possible to move toward a, a uh, 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 biology-based classification, the plan is is the following one. First, if the target is observed across cancer, the trial phase 3 must be done per cancer. This is the most important part. Some scientific societies are working on, on this. Clinical trialists, now in phase 1, are more and more willing to develop drugs across different cancers. At the end, is going to be can we provide evidence that a drug can be more quickly developed if we uh, make the trial multi-cancer or pan cancer. This also need to uh, be discussed with what we call regulatory agency. FDA is really ahead with this concept because FDA has already done multiple drug approval based on the expression of the target agnostic of the organ of origin. So other regulatory agencies Uh, needs to be convinced but we will convince them Uh, and then of course uh, it's about stakeholder engagement we need the the whole community of oncologists being interested on uh, working in this framework of biological classification and of course the patient engagement uh, to push for this new classification but again what is going to be the driving force is the evidence with some prospective example that if we work on that way, it's going to be uh, better for the patient.
1: This different way of doing things where you classify cancers according to their molecular characteristics, is really only going to work if enough people have access to the molecular test. And at the moment, the numbers are still not great on that. So what are the key barriers that are still preventing people from getting access to molecular testing, which would tell them about these features of their cancer?
2: Well, you are totally right, of course, uh, real-world data show that only uh, a minority of patients get access to the best molecular tools. Why is that? First, it's still because uh, some tests are too expensive. Second, because some doctors, and they don't perceive the disease as a biological disease. Fortunately, a very small minority. So how are we going to uh, break these barriers? First one, access to the tests. Pathology assisted by artificial intelligence is going to, to transform uh, this field because pathology assisted by AI does not cost a lot of money, can be implemented almost everywhere, and can tell the, the physician and the biologist what is the likelihood of presenting uh, a specific mutation. Okay, so then the doctor will have to confirm this mutation. But And then for uh, the few colleagues who still don't order Best I think this is about education, education, education. So when you look across
1: the landscape of oncology and you see the potential barriers and the potential positives of doing this, are you hopeful that this shift will happen in and it'll in a shift fairly soon?
2: Yes, I'm confident because you know we are not driving the field. The reality is that there are researchers that are developing drugs, that are inventing drugs. We all know these drugs work in very specific uh Disney defined by biology. The patient they want access to this drug, so you know it's a it's a whole movement, you know. It's not something that a few people suddenly say, oh, it needs to change. No, no. It's it's all the things move on the same way. So I I, I think it's unstoppable. It's just a question of is it going to take 10 years, uh, three years or uh, or twenty years. But I think is the way now medical oncology is being done.
1: Thanks so much, Fabrice. That was absolutely fascinating.
2: Thank you, Lucy. And I, I take the opportunity to, to thank you for all the work you did with us to write and comment and also to exchange ID. And uh, it was it was a very, uh, very nice uh, discussion and uh, conversation. And of course, we all hope that what we are doing is going to, to improve the the outcome of the patient in the near or uh, long term future.
0: That was Fabrice André talking to Lucy odling me. If you want to read the whole comment article from Fabrice and his colleagues, we'll put a link in the show notes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health